the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. And welcome to Free from the Real, episode 215. I'll be one of your hosts, AJ, and with me is the unsinkable KSLA. Hey, guys. Just don't run into any icebergs. Yeah. As ever, this is the Free from the Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game which is of interest to us. Now, one thing which crosses the boundary of that is the Magic Online Championship, which was recently held, and we have a grand champion. Who won? Uh, that would be Dmitry Budakov, also known as Budakov on Magic Online. Um, he managed to run through most of the people in the rounds, and in a very quick sub-two-minute finals of a, a mirror match between reanimator in standard uh managed to take the tournament netting mm-hmm. him a cool twenty five thousand dollars not bad at all mm-hmm. quite an uh, interesting um selection of players there you have uh, uh recognizable ones such as um uh reader rabbit uh reed duke through to um i suppose they're all fairly recognizable because they've all uh, one on uh, Magic Online, but uh, some more familiar than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see some names that are um, incredibly common if you play in uh, daily events or premier events, uh, or scheduled events, sorry, whatever they're called now. Um, Johnny Hot Sauce is a regular Jack Sad, um, common players in the event. And then you have a couple of uh, you know not-so-well-known players or people, especially like you know the, the, like the Last Chance players, uh, the two last chance qualifier winners. Yep. But nonetheless, they made it to the event, and we'll see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so there's a lot of options. And then, you know, um, it's also just fun and interesting because you get to see the, the decks that they went ahead and came up with for the event, and really not a strong consensus on uh, what to play. I mean, probably, you know, the most dominant or the most present deck was uh, Reanimator, um, featuring, you know, unburial rides targeting all manner of fun things like Angel of Serenity and Crater of Behemoth, yep. along with normal shenanigans like Centaur Healer, Restoration Angel, and Thrag Tusk. Always um, fun. Mm-hmm. But also you just see, you know, some Naya aggro decks that feature, you know, cards like Aurelia and Huntmaster of the Fells. There was a, um, one of the players had ran just straight up mono red, you know, Ash Zealot, Hellrider, uh, Beatdown. Well, not quite mono red. Essentially. Yeah, essentially mono red in this universe. Mm-hmm. To, you know, black and green uh, zombies, uh, blue-white flash, blue-red-white flash control, just just all sorts of stuff kind of across the board. Mana, humans, even. Yep. So. Well, fair enough then. Congratulations to Sergei, uh, sorry, Dimitri, and uh, well done to everybody who made it to the event. 
yeah, so I mean, it's 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 a fun little collection, and there's some some pretty good coverage of both, you know, the draft, and you can even go through the draft viewer to see what everyone picked through the cube. Um, so you know, if you want to get ready for future Dragon's Maze cube events that we'll have in that in that time between the online and real life release, you can look through those cube deck lists and the draft viewers, or if you want some ideas for standard, they have posted all 16 deck lists from the event as well. Excellent. If you're interested in uh, what what the mocks was all about, then uh, we have the link in the show notes, and uh, mm-hmm. take a look and see what you see what you think. Yeah. Also, if you want to learn a little more about those guys and you know how kind of look at maybe their mentality or you know what their practice was or how they you know managed to win a Moxis event or last chance qualifier or whatever it was. Uh, Brian David Marshall has two po- columns that are posted as well that were done in the lead up to the event which are interviews with uh, some of the players in the Moxus um, to kind of get their background, wh- why they play Magic, how they got into it, and how they um, won their events or qualified and what they did to prepare. Yep. Um, now, moving on from that, we also have some... Uh, one of the reasons we're currently a two-man show rather than a three-man show is our third man is at PAX which is where a lot of very interesting things are happening, aside from the uh, Mox Championship. We have uh, a couple of previews of various uh, future things coming out, including uh, Jewels of the Planeswalkers. Yeah, I was was a little confused when I first, because I first clicked on this announcement, and it was announcing Magic 2014. And then I realized it was Magic 2014 Duel of the Planeswalkers, kind of specifically. Um because we'd already gotten the announcement for Magic 2014 with the information yep. from that. Um, but it's got a couple of interesting things. If you, um, One thing, probably the most important one, is that um, an, an Android version of Magic 2014 will be available. Yep. I look forward to seeing what, that, uh, what features it has, uh, if anything, different from the um, uh, current uh, iPad and uh, PC versions. And, of course, Xbox and uh, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they see um, that there will be additional encounters and challenges, 10 new decks, and probably most notable uh, is a new play mode, which they're not revealing yet, but they've noted that there's another added another great way to play Magic. H.A., have you uh, played Duel of the Planeswalkers before? I have, yes. Yeah. I've got uh, Duels 2013 on my uh, rather old-school iPad, which uh, struggles a bit with the multiplayer. Um, but it's a fun way to play Magic, Um as you can imagine, uh, the lack of uh, capacity for mad science um, holds it back in my my eyes, but uh, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Any any thoughts or speculation on what this new play mode could be? Um, well, we have some possibilities. They might try and stick Commander on it. That seems like that'd be a pretty smart idea. That's like that seems like a good a product where you'd want to introduce Commander, and can certainly work to build that. So that makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, yeah, but um, you know, good announcement, good to note, and uh, we will see what goes on there and when that comes out. Also uh, coming up from PAX East, we have news of Dragon's Maze. They've given us a advanced spoiler card, and this one looks really quite interesting. We have a legendary ogre warrior 
black, uh, sorry, red and green, uh, four mana, uh, with vigilance and reach, and attacks each turn if able. Which is a very interesting way of getting the very red usually drawback not to be a drawback. Uh, whenever a player casts a non-creature spell, Rurik Thar deals six damage to that player, six six. So that's pretty efficient. Yeah, that's a a bit punishing. Yeah, uh, four red and green for a six six vigilance reach. So I mean, you know, pretty standard size, a little on the expensive side, but I mean, you know. Not too long ago, the Titans saw play at, at six mana six sixes, and you know Vigilance Reach coming in, attacking each turn, and really punishing uh, non-creature based decks has some potential. Uh, seriously, if you cast two non-creature spells with this thing in play, you are more than half dead. Mm-hmm. And if this thing's attacking, you are more than half dead. Yeah. yeah, and the interesting thing is, what are most removal spells? Well, generally they're non-creature spells, so to deal with him, you know, assuming you can deal with him immediately, you're still going to take six most of the time, whether yeah. you Supreme Verdict him off the board or use, you know, um, Victim of Night or whatever, you know, typical removal spell we have available to us by the time he's out. Um, at the very least, he's doing six damage and costing them a removal spell. Yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff. I mean, even if they have a necrotile effect. That's There aren't that many good ones in standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really... That's really not the way... Uh, really not what's available at this time. So unless something comes out as part of Dragon's Maze, yeah, I mean, he can be really difficult. Especially, you know, if he's in a more aggressive deck, like if you've hammered your opponent, and if you have them to, you know, down to like 8 or something like that, well, they've stabilized, and they come back, and you're like, ah, Rurik Thar. They're like, well... Because now if they kill them, they lose to Shock. Yep. But if they don't kill them, they lose to Rurik Thar. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. We could see a... Um, well, let's see. What can remove him without taking burn? You've got um, uh, the uh, Angel of... Um, Angel of Serenity. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. And you've got... Um, they haven't really seen much play, but you've got the primordials. Uh, at least one of the primordials can do it. Yeah. Um, you could, in theory, you know, if you had an Uvenwald tracker in play and a 6-6 six, six or, or 6 power creature or higher, you could fight him and take him off the board without losing anything. Yeah, there's just... It, it's There's not very much that isn't a convoluted way to... an inefficient way to remove him. So. Yeah, it's... Um, and this is but the first. Oh, it's, it does have a Gruul uh, guild mark, so as you'd expect for a uh, Ravnican card of uh, this color combination. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we'll see a cycle of... Um, uh, well, so, same as we had last time with the various um, uh, not guild leaders, but second-in-commands, if you will. Yeah. The champions. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he seems like a good general, you know big tough guy with an axe for a hand uh that seems good i also like the potential for this as a um you know a theme to run through Grohl for the second set to be the guild that punishes non-creature spells because they are you know they're a very creature-based guild and i you know we've seen how um having you know creatures that act as spells 
um, as you know during combat has been pretty useful, um, both in limited and constructed. There's it's seeing some play, so it's a nice way to build on that to give you the potential to build this like all-out creature deck, essentially. Yep. Um, that still gives you some options for spells, um, but and also punishes the opponents that lean more towards the I'm going to run four Augur of Bolas and four Snapcaster Mage and like two or three Restoration Angels, and that's my creature base. Yeah. Um, it also fits well with uh, what Gruul's done before. There was a, a similar card which pinged for one damage every, was it one or two damage every time anybody cast a non creature spell back in the original, or like, activated the non creature ability. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, the God, what was his name? But he was the three mana three four. Whenever activated abilities occurred, they they lost a life. Yeah, burning tree shaman, I think. Yeah, burning tree shaman. Yes. Very good. Um, so it's just a cool way to you know give Gruul some additional weapons against those uh, more traditional style control decks. Pretty interesting card and bodes for some interesting stuff in the future. Also, a fun note: not a mythic, uh, just a rare. A rare legend, which um, we have had uh, non-mythic legends before. It's um, interesting to see that um, what we do, what they do with this cycle, really. And of course, we presume it's a cycle, and it uh, wouldn't be too difficult to set aside one rare slot for each guild to have this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there's a high potential for that. Um, so you know, that's ten rares, no big deal. Yep. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that kind of covers all the news we have for you this week. Um, so we will go ahead and lead into our prices. Indeed. And this week we have the standard standouts from uh, PAX East. Uh, all the cards shown um, that made a good showing at the uh, standard event there. Um, well, it's uh, basically some of the usual suspects, really. Uh, top of the tree, um, you've got... Uh, your standard Timmy stuff, your angels, your dragons. Um, admittedly, the uh, dragon is uh, Thundermore Hellkite, and the angels are your choice of Serenity or Restoration. <laughs> yeah, no, it's there's a it's very interesting. Yeah, with the, that high end stuff, certainly. The thing that really strikes me is just how much there is. Like we went, we went basically took out um, the prices on every rare and mythic that saw play at um, the Magic Online Championship. And it's just the number of them, I mean, because there were so many different decks that I think is really impressive. Yep. Um, and I suppose that indicates that Standard is fairly expensive and has a broad base. Whatever deck you're going to build, it's going to cost you. Yeah, that's true. It's like there, there are so many different options, but the question is, which 25 to $40 card do you want to buy? Yes. And, of course, if you want to try and mix it up a bit, say Bonfire of the Damned in a uh, deck running um, Restoration Angel, that's yeah, going to sting a bit. Yeah. God, man, Restoration Angel still just blows my mind. A $23 rare in today's magic is just seems crazy. Hmm. Um, Bonfire of the Damned, its price is understandable, but still somewhat annoying. In that you have one of the premier removal spells of its color at a price which um, removes it from contention for uh, those not competing, really. Yeah. Again, if they're not competing, then why should they have nice things? This is why you can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and what's interesting is that it was only only one deck actually made space for Bonfire. I think it was only three copies. I could be wrong. It was either three or four. 
Um, but of the 16 players, only one person actually decided to sleeve up uh, Bonfire of the Damned. So. Yep. And it's probably the most expensive card that was only featured in a single deck. Um, well, no, it's also I think Liliana the Veil is another one. I mean, she's approaching $40, and I think only one of the 16 uh, competitors was using her. Hmm. Uh, Planeswalkers seem to be doing rather well at the moment. Um Soren Lord of Innistrad, clocking in at uh, 1741. Um, Vraska the, the Unseen's even clocking in at 6.3. Um, and of course, Garuk, uh, Relentless and Primal Hunter, are fighting out for dominance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, you know, they're not seeing play in the same decks. They're obviously two very different styles of Garuk, and it's not like the days of old where you would play small group to combat large group like we would with um, Jace Bellerin and Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah. Nothing is quite as um, dominating as the old Mind Sculptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't see Tybalt on this list. I wonder why. <laughs> oh, Tybalt. I think we, we've beaten him down enough. Well, we did have some people saying that we'd uh, beaten him down a bit too much in the show notes. Um, but Frankly, those people are wrong. We haven't beat him down nearly enough. <laughs> so, okay. Tybalt, go back to your place. Because, I mean, uh, yeah, still can't see play. Still struggles. I mean, Sauron, Lord of Innistrad, he's in the deck, too. You know, he's getting a reprint, but he's still holding strong, seeing play, maintaining an almost $20 price tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also keeping uh, a fair near to $20 price tag is Obzera at the Ghost Council. Um, because it worked the first time, why not? Why not now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's proven to be a pretty powerful card uh, coming out of the set. I believe um, from the Star City Games event this last weekend in Kansas City and Standard, uh, it was a pretty important card to the top eight matchup. Um, just because you know when you're playing against those control decks that do feature Supreme Verdict as their primary source of removal. Like when they're looking at Supreme Verdict and Searing Spear as their methods of removal, um, you know, neither one of those really do anything to the Ghost Council. So kind of puts you in a bind. Um, yes. And you got to deal with them. Uh, take seven, I gain two, and you can't do anything about it. It's a kind of good thing. Exactly, yeah. As long as they remember to remove them, then uh, you're golden. Who are you going to call? Yeah, that's a a good question. Uh, There's some interesting random little deck choices, clearly. I guess, you know, some things that kind of just stood out to me as unusual. Uh, Disciple of Bolas made an appearance and is at 27 cents. Uh, Elder Scale Worm, not a card we typically see seen in constructed play, Um, but with Reanimator being present, was made usable. Uh, Yep. Some of the decks decided to go with uh, Somberwald Sage as an additional way to accelerate because, hey, if you can't find your Umbero rights, then why not just tap for seven or eight mana and slam down your Angel of Serenity or your Crater Hoof Behemoth, you know, the old-fashioned way by paying the manas. Yeah, good work, yep. We saw uh, Evil Twin make some appearances, possibly, you know, as uh, legendary creature removal or some kind of clone effect, and then like you mentioned before, Vraska the Unseen even made an appearance as a one-of shot in a sideboard. Not sure how much of that got brought in, but funny and interesting nonetheless. Yep. Looking at the um, 
old hands, if you will. Uh, Hellrider is uh, a fairly solid eight tickets at present. Uh, Gravecrawler and Ralph Messenger, the uh, zombie tag team, are hanging down around about three tickets apiece. Yeah, it's 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 just so funny. I mean, it makes sense because if you have a deck with Gravecrawler, it probably has the Messenger and vice versa. But just those cards have always lived and died together. You know, no pun intended. Um, well, unlived and died together anyway. Yeah, very true. Because um, we've seen them go from two four dollars to two dollars to six and seven dollars, back down to two and three dollars. They just yo-yo, and it's just it's funny how consistent they stay together, being within you know twenty cents of each other right now. Yep. Um, any other fun, interesting insights? Drag Tusk again makes his triumphant return to double digits and is headed back up into the 16 range. Yep. Uh, Boris Reckoner is just under seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be a lot like the the Snapcaster Mage of the set, and it's kind of just kind of vacillating between that like five and seven mark, and we'll kind of just hang out there. And depending yep. upon whether he's seeing more play or not at the time. Yep. Um, your standard good stuff mythics are still good stuff. Um, yeah. Falconrath Aristocrat is a shade under 30. Uh, Geist of St. Traft, a shade over 25. And Huntmaster of the Fells, uh, 22 and a half or thereabouts. Yeah. I mean, if there was ever a lesson about, you know, getting mythics earlier when you can and when you want them, these would be it. Because I remember, you know, when these guys were first out, and even when they first started to get good, you know, Falconrath Aristocrat was four tickets for a long time. Geist of St. Trap got as low as about 12, but hung out in about 14 for a long time. And same with the Huntmaster of the Fells. And now in about, you know, a year's time, they've all, you know, the two of them have doubled in price, and Falconrath Aristocrat, as it's seen more play, has gone up tremendously in value. Yes, and then you look at, seven. Yeah, so then when you look yeah. at a card like, you know, Aurelia the War Leader at 624, who has already seen competitive play, um, just makes you think. You might want to look around at those Gate Crash and Return to Ravnica mythics and make sure you have what you want out of there before they go through. When they're no longer drafted, although it may be less effective with uh, Gate Crash, but uh, definitely the original um, Return to Ravnica rares mm-hmm. uh, prior the um, Redemption uh price rise yeah um, uh, and I mean we'll still get a little there'll still be a little more trickling into the system because with you know Dragon's Maze we'll go back to drafting in the traditional way with all three sets um, yeah. but that's not going to increase supply enough to make up for the fact when these mythics start to see play again and we're all drafting uh, you know friend, Romans friends friends like a year from now yep so. and of course um Standard will long be go, will be going long even after they uh, uh, are no longer being drafted on mass, and that's when we'll see the prices spike. Exactly, because people will still be getting them out of the system. Yep. So that's our warning to you: pick up the mythics you want now, whilst they're being just, drafted. Yes, just figure out the mythics that you want to own a year from now and buy them now. It's that simple. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, all you need to do is get the entire meta game memorized from a few years hence, and uh, you'll be in gravy, really. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, uh, so we've got all those prizes up there enlisted for you. If you want to check them out, and now we will move on and talk about our question of the week. And our question of the week is: Did you keep up with any of the coverage uh, that was occurring from PAX East, and not just um, you know related to the Magic Online Championship Series, but did you 
was there anything else you looked at or watched to any announcements you wanted to hear about? Uh, AJ? To be completely honest, not really, no. Occasionally glanced at the um, uh, Mothership um, front page, uh, saw that stuff was going on, and I was like, oh, look, something's going on, and then going somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, aside from things like the spoilers and the um, viral stuff like the uh, preview video for uh, Jewels of the Planeswalkers 2014, um, or Magic 2014 Jewels of the Planeswalkers, as they now phrase it. Um, saw that all over uh, my uh, Facebook feed, as you'd imagine, because that's what my friends pretty much linked to, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, stuff which expanded beyond the bounds of packs I've seen. Stuff which hasn't, eh. Gotcha. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, for myself, it's kind of the same way. I checked in with the the coverage a little bit here and there didn't I wasn't following it too closely I just haven't been playing a lot of standard lately um, and don't anticipate playing a lot in the future so I'm not sure how much I need to keep up with uh, I did see something about you know announcements there's a lot of we're seeing a lot of groundbreaking and uh, you know further digital games occurring I think um, Blizzard announced a new um, freemium style online trading card game that they're going to be introducing. Um, yeah. at PAX East, so that, there was some talk about that, and I kind of briefly looked into that. Not sure that I'm interested yet, but... Um. Yeah, they seem to be going for a free-to-play, but pay-to-win model. Mm-hmm. Sounds which, a lot. Um, so that's slightly better than Magic Online's pay-to-play and pay-a-whole-whole-lot-to-win model <laughs> to some people. Well, it's more kind <laughs> of honest, if you will. I, I really don't like the, the first one's free kind of... Uh, model I've, I've i've seen a couple of facebook games and briefly played ones that had that sort of ethos and the naked transparent greed sure you can play with these commons whilst people's much faith in these mythics um and the only way to get them is by buying packs directly from us with random cards so you might get good stuff or you might have to throw yet more money at us there's no way of getting a secondary market in there that sort of thing that robbed me the wrong way it may be that blizzards have a different way of doing it but at least with MTGO, you can deal with a secondary market where you can get what you need when you need it. And I, there's no guarantees of that with Blizzard. No, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, if I think about it, I'm like, if I really wanted to spend my time getting pushed around by people who are able to spend more money than me, then why wouldn't I focus on real life um, instead of these games? So, yeah, I agree with you. I kind of, I'm more of a fan of MTGO's, like, system in which you can work it and it costs to you what it costs. All right. Well, uh, yeah, but if you have anything else, if you saw something from PAX that you think was interesting, want to bring to our attention, feel free to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, that'll bring us to the end here. So, AJ, what you been playing? I've been pushing around with um, uh, Cloud Post, Glimmer Post, Vesuva Post, and Thespian Stage Post, with some <laughs> trading posts thrown in as post 70 to 20. Post. <laughs> All right. Um I'm going to, real quickly, I'm going to ask you without Googling, I want you to define poodling for me. Poodling is a English um, term for traveling, uh, traveling around casually, if you will. Um, basically meandering, wandering around, just generally lightheartedly sort of moseying around, really. Um, so feel, free to, yeah, feel free to Google that yourself to uh, check it, but that's what it means. 
Okay. So basically you're saying like you've been haphazardly kind of working your way through this deck. Okay. Yeah. Buy it, build it, have fun with it. Oh, that's, that's you should find some tribe which has a lot of haste creatures so you can build a deck and call it post haste. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, and there are far too few haste goblins, uh, haste golems. For yeah, stuff so like I'm not sure what kind of artifact based tribe you could find that would have a lot of haste creatures, but off the top of my head, there's one beast. There's, um, I suppose you could always ramp out with say a Chroma's Memorial, which um, yeah, that technically gets out there and uh, gets fast. Yeah. Or there's um, using the Golem Artisan to give everything haste, but a bit of a small selection, really. Yeah. Or, of course, Lightning Grease. Ah, uh, yes, the, the Grease, yeah. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. Uh, as for myself, um, unfortunately, it's been kind of a busy time. I did manage to squeeze some time, and I went ahead and took a break from Gate Crash Limited and mixed things up with a Return to Ravnica draft. Um, unfortunately, I got kind of smashed very quickly by someone who got the the nuts um, Rakdos deck splashing blue a little bit, and just it basically looked like a really really strong like pre-constructed deck, which in draft is is pretty good, or you know a very yeah. bad block deck depending on how you want to look at it. But either way, when you're drafting, that's a that's bad time. Exactly. Well, good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, depending on which side of the board you're on there. Uh, but, you know, it was worthwhile. I got a Blood Crypt out of it. Um, would have liked to have gone further, but, you know, say la vie. Such is life, and we will move on uh, in the future. Speaking of moving on, uh, if you've got any questions, comments, constructive criticisms, or post-constructive criticisms, then by all means uh, email us and let us know. Um, uh, we had an email from somebody who uh, wanted to know about um, uh, submitting an article to the um, uh, website. Um, to which I can honestly say, just give it a go and uh, uh, try it for yourself. You should. Mm-hmm. There's, um, uh, by all means, give it a shot and see if it uh, flies. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think one of the great things about Pure MTGO is that they're very open and they love to work with people who have no or you know limited experience with writing and just you know really want to try and put it out there. And the community will do a good job of. You know, providing you with some criticism, sometimes in a positive way, and sometimes just in general. Um, yep. They can really, but as long as you take it to heart, you can really develop your skills as a writer. I'll tell you, my first article that I ever wrote for this website was my a Scars of Mirrodin paper pre-release like tournament report, which was by no means very good. You know, I'd only written a handful of Magic articles before, and you know, managed to get it very quickly approved and posted and. Like I said, not the greatest thing ever, but it gave me the the confidence to keep working and keep coming out. And now here I am, you know, doing this podcast once a week. So there is a uh, new writers forum on the uh, Pure Into Joe forums. If you want to uh, chip in and uh, ask around for help or look at uh, how people have been previously helped, so uh, yeah, there's 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 resources out there for you, and we wish you every success in your writing career. Yes. All right, well, that will do it for this week. I'm Kia, got AJ, and we will uh, talk at you guys next week. All the best. Goodbye.